We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. This is Mean Lean from ArsenalVision.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. Another victory. Eight victories in a row in the Premier League now. Burnley the latest to be put to the sword. Uh, it wasn't the most entertaining match. It wasn't quite as exciting as our 4-1 victory last week against Liverpool. But it was the kind of victory away from home at crunch time of the season that champions would put in. Unfortunately, it's probably a little bit too late for us to be champions this time round, but... It bodes well for us going forward. I thought yeah, our attacking players weren't quite at, at, their, at their attacking best. Okay, bit of insight for you there. Um, and uh, the game was mainly about our fight and our character and our defending. I thought both Mertesacker and Koscielny, the uh, Burnley strikers, very well. I thought Nacho Manuel was wonderful once again. Wonderful all season, really, hasn't he now? And um, yeah, and Francis Coughlin as well, midfield. Gave us the shield that we needed, and uh, we Burnley didn't really, really create that many good chances. Think about it during the course of the ninety minutes. Thought we um we kept them at bay really. We were trying to score the second goal, but we couldn't get it after Ramsey's opener, smashing to the roof of the net. Haven't seen the goal again since. Haven't watched match of the day yet. I want to do so after this recording. Can't complain really. We needed to win more than anything else. Performance not quite as important. Um, no injuries. Another victory. We go again, as they say. I've got things to do now, so I'm going to hand you over to the real important people. I've got, we've got two guests this time. Um, I'm going to let Elliot tell you who the guests are. I've really got to go. Enjoy the podcast and back after the Reading semi-finals. Oh 
Title challenge still on as Arsenal roll over Burnley and Turf Moor. My name is Elliot Smith, and you're listening to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast, coming to you directly after our, I would say, easy, comfortable, in no way stressful, 1-0 victory away to Burnley. Um, We've got three great guests to break it all down today. Uh, who will add far more insight and cohesion to this podcast than I will, so let's get them introduced. First, as usual, unfortunately, Paul decided to return, so we have Paul. You can find him on Twitter, at PausinInMyPants. Paul, say hello quickly. Woohoo! Hello quickly. Better. Nailed it. Uh, we also have John. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at GoonerInBCN, because he's in Barcelona, um, so he can tell us all the latest on who's got Barcelona DNA these days. Um we can get to that a little Everyone. bit later. Everyone. Yeah, you bet. They could do with some of our players. Uh, John, thanks for coming on. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Nice to uh, join you guys again. Yeah. And hey, John, John, yes. could you talk a bit like Guillaume Ballbag or whatever that name is during the thing? Mm. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I can't. No? I'm sorry. I, re- I refuse to. Not, not him. Anybody but him. Um, yeah, and, right. and by the way, no, don't do that. Um, and finally, but certainly not least, the man who's going to provide us all the inside insight and tell us uh, if Chesney and Theo are off this summer and other great things like that, but we probably won't talk about that because it's a post-match podcast. Uh, we're going to call him John. You may know him better as we are the North Bank on Twitter. John, thanks for coming on. James? It's definitely not John. I know. It's James. I know. I do that once a podcast. It's totally fine. We'll fix it in post. Here's the secret. We don't actually have a post. It's a pleasure for inviting me on, but I might just hang up now, you fucker. Well, to be fair, James, John, I mean, you know, they're all all a variation of the same theme. They're all apostles. How about this? How about I call you James, but I'm still dubious as to whether that's your real name or not. Is that okay? Yeah, no, wonderful, wonderful. I, I I have to say it is a pleasure to have you on, though, James. Thank you. Pleasure's all mine. I, I tend to agree. Okay, so let's dive into it. Um, this was one of those games where, interestingly, I think what Arsene Wenger said ahead of the match turned out to be true, where he said, you know, if we're going to win this game, we have to match them physically. And that's really how it broke down. But let's start with the lineup. And since I got your name wrong, I will redress the balance by starting with you, James. Um, when you saw the lineup, any surprises that we stayed unchanged from the Liverpool match? And any surprises on the bench for you, in particular, no return for any of our newly fit players like Jack, Arteta, Debushi, Diaby? No, no surprise whatsoever. Um, it made no sense to uh, tinker with that, that line-up. Um, I think probably post-match you could suggest that maybe Koscielny, I'm trying to think of an excuse for his poor performance. He mm. didn't have his, his best one tonight. Maybe he's still feeling that Achilles a little bit. But um, no, in terms of the starting line-up, um, and the bench as well. Um, no surprises. Did you? Do we know why uh, Gabriel wasn't on the bench? I mean, I, I haven't seen anything. I'm sure there's information out there. Was this was this just to get Callum Chambers a chance to be on the bench today, or, or do we know if there's an injury there? I have no idea. I'm afraid. Supposedly he was ill. Yeah, according to Twitter, he must have looked in the He's mirror Ill. this morning when he woke up. Um, okay, well, yeah, sorry. I'm not. Don't worry. I'm no. Uh, Rose Blossom myself. Um, okay, so John, uh, as as far as the lineup goes, I mean, obviously, no, no, I'm I'm moving on now. I'm moving on to the actual John. You know what? If if you don't if you don't behave, I'm just gonna start calling you by your Twitter handles. Um, and I don't want to call Paul pausing in my pants all all show because it just gets difficult. Corny. Yeah. It does. Oh, sorry. Um, difficult. Moving on quickly, John. Um, 
we we got off to a decent start, I thought, and it was clear that we were going to try to do to Burnley what we did to Liverpool, which was press. They countered that by doing something Liverpool didn't seem to want to do, which was play long ball. Do you think that sort of explains why there wasn't a lot of cohesion and, and a lot of flow to the game? Because we were pressing, they were bypassing it with the long ball, and, and so it was just sort of scrappy play throughout? Well, you know, when they started playing the long ball, you have Coughlin and Casorla as the base for that for that front, uh, you know, for our attack, and they're not the tallest of players. So uh, I think that they were out-muzzled a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Coughlin, you know, is always in the right place, it seems, uh, right place, you know, uh, these days uh, to intercept and to, you know, to kind of uh, pause or stop the opposition's attack. But it kind of limited him to kind of just, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, just, you know, uh, sweeping up behind everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, that long ball game kind of showed that we're still vulnerable to that, to that type of game uh, as far as it affecting us going the other way. Well, and some of that, I think, is down to uh, what James was touching on, which is, you know, because uh, didn't have his best game, I didn't think, and there were some poor clearances we didn't always deal with the long ball well. I remember there was one where he let it bounce and caused himself some trouble. He did get that one away. Um, but to be fair, we haven't really faced this kind of physical challenge in a while. And, Paul, one of the things that was sort of a uh, fun part of the first half was the un- unorthodox and unusual sight of Mike Dean uh, calling things in our favor Burnley were scrapping. They were certainly physical, and, and he was calling it pretty tight. Did you think that the Burnley supporters maybe had an argument that, that he was calling it in our favor? Do you think it's just a case where they wanted to be niggly and foul and kick us, and he wasn't letting them get away with it? No, I don't think they had really any case. I think the issue in the first half was that he needed to produce a card at some point because they were just rotationally fouling. So yeah. I understand their frustration in that sense. Not giving a yellow card encouraged the players to be doing these small fouls. I mean, there was nothing heinous done there. They were just breaking up plays, making it scrappy, making it their kind of game, being physical, trying to throw us off our rhythm. And because there weren't a couple of cards flying, there was no real penalty for doing it. It didn't cost them anything. So, um, you know, if you want to blame anybody, blame blame the Burnley approach and maybe blame Mike Dean for not taking a little bit an earlier yellow card, I think, or two. Yeah, to Might be, cl- to be fair, it up a little bit. To be fair, I mean, um, you know, we, we, I thought we stood up to those physical challenges well, and, and you know, we matched their intensity, and so I, you know, I, the, their plan didn't work. I mean, obviously, we've all That's heard fair. for yeah. seasons, you know, Arsenal don't like it up them, but I don't think it was Mike Dean calling the fouls that gave us an easy ride. I think, I think that we stood up to that. To that Agreed. challenge, we kept well, moving the ball, yeah, absolutely, yeah, and and so James, the the first goal came pretty early on um, through Aaron Ramsey. It was kind of a scrambled goal in the end, but it starts with Coughlin, yeah, as John had touched on, sort of being there to sweep up. Um, did you think that that goal was sort of down to Coughlin's positioning, which I thought was excellent all day, um, or or do you think it was just a case of the fact that it was one of the rare times Burnley didn't try to play long, kept it on the ground, and and we were there to uh, transition quickly. Yeah, I, I think it was just a shite ball, wasn't it, from uh, from the def- defender? Yeah, straight, straight up the middle, right to Coughlin. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was in a good position. But, it, I mean, given what Coughlin's done since his uh, rejuvenation, reintegration, whatever you want to call it. His um, $6 million re- man transformation. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, given what he's done um, in, in that period of games, um, that was quite uh, unspectacular. Well, well, not spectacular, but um, it, it wasn't amazing. It was just standard. He actually didn't play a, the greatest pass I didn't think into Sanchez yet. He hit it with too much pace, and Sanchez did well to control. Did, it. did he maybe rush the decision there? I mean, he had more. He could have carried the ball forward a little longer and let the attack develop. Well, no, I don't think so. I mean, he, what I really like about him and what he's adapted um, his, his his game with him, in my opinion, through watching him, is um, he's, he's getting the ball as quickly as possible to the players that can hurt the opposition. And I really like that about him is that he isn't trying to be anything that he isn't he's just doing his job um, and I just think that was an occasion where he thought right of one one position here you know we're breaking let's get it forward as quickly as possible to to Alexis um, and he just overhit it but um, yeah from then on in it was a, a bit, bit of pinballing around the box and um, a great finish from from Ramsey I think um, he, he does like to, to finish into the roof of the net which is um, which is obviously difficult for the keeper to to reach and, uh, and an excellent finish. And I I actually thought Ramsey was our probably our best player. I mean, he wasn't again, he wasn't spectacular, but he's very efficient in possession. Again, athleticism that he always shows, but um, kind of adopting that that right hand side position. I thought he uh, backed up Bellerin excellently throughout the throughout the game. Although although we weren't asked that many questions. From Burnley, I think a lot of that has to do with um, kind of how athletic and and uh, uh, compact our midfield was, and Ramsey was a, was a major part of that. Would he be your man of the match? I think so. Although again, I was massively impressed with Bellerin. Again, he's so brave on the ball for a young player, um, and and he seems to make the right decisions most of the time, um, which is so good to see. And and the players. Um, appreciate how good he is you can tell that by um, them them having no worries whatsoever giving him possession as often as they can you know even our you know our, our, our big players in in Urzel, I mean the amount of times that he passed him the ball was 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 quite a lot and that, that goes to show that he trusts him and again I thought it was excellent yeah Paul, I mean Paul uh, one of the things we, we've talked about in this podcast in the past is Coughlin's contribution with his passing in particular. And well, let's talk about the pass to set up the goal, but also just in general. When we've struggled in midfield, Coughlin's passing has been 78%, 75%, 73%. And that really throws off the cohesion of playing through the middle of the park. Um, today, he was 85.7%, played 56 passes. So he was right at the heart of what we were doing, you know, moving the ball well. But with, with respect to the goal, did you uh, did you think the pass was a little bit off, or, or are you pretty impressed with what he did there? Um, so I thought there was a bit of truth to what you both said. Um, you know, he did hit it with too much mustard. Uh, he did hit it noticeably early, but I think that's just his general philosophy at the moment, which is the, I've got somebody better if, to my right or left, yeah. you know, he doesn't need to be able to do what Kazor or Ozil does. Give he just it, needs to give get it the and drop back, quicker. right? Give it and get back in a defensive position. Exactly. Yeah. But but the the moment he hit it to Ozil and Ozil controlled it, it reminded me of that uh, quote I heard recently about Bergkamp in training when somebody hit the ball too hard to uh, Bergkamp, 
and apologized. And Bergkamp said, listen, mate, my job, you hit it as hard as you can. My job is to learn to control it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he did overhit it to Ozil, but it worked out perfectly because it was there in an instant. Ozil did control it and turned it into an attacking move. And uh, off we went. So, yeah. I thought that, that all in all, I mean, we, we did have some half chances and opportunities in the first half, but it's worth remembering. I, this is a Burnley side that hasn't conceded a lot of goals at home. Um, they can be very tough to play there. They, they just came off beating Manchester City there. So, you know, I, I, I don't think that there's any shame in struggling to break them down a little bit. One player who really struggled to break them down was my favorite, Olivier Giroud. Uh, all kidding aside, I have come around to him, and he's obviously having a great season. But, John, this wasn't his day. Uh, what do you attribute Giroud's struggles to, just an off day and everyone has them, or something Burnley did specifically in preventing him from getting involved? Well, I think when you have three players around you, two of them being center backs, <laughs> you're always going to have a tough day, especially when, you know, uh, uh, we had we were very sloppy today. Um, oh. Apart from, you know, them playing the long ball, and they're, they're being very tight and making the game very narrow. I thought that we were very sloppy when we did have chances. Um, you know, uncharacteristically. So, um, you know, you had uh, also being dispossessed four times, Giroud being dispossessed four times. You had Cazorla sometimes, you know, uh, making the wrong read on the pass. You had Ramsey drifting inside. I think that, you know, these uh, uh, these games against relegation battling teams are always going to be tough, but, you know, you have to do you know, what's necessary in attack in, in a manner which negates their defensive planning. And I think that we just kind of kept on running into a brick wall and we're happy to do so. Yeah, I think the problem also for, for Giroud today is he wasn't as dominant in the air as he can be. He didn't he didn't win the aerial duels like he usually does. And he passed his passing was 60.5%. So, you know, he, he, he was giving the ball away a little too much. Um you know, Welbeck came on and made a big difference late, but by that point, I, th- I think it looked like Burnley was tiring pretty substantially. Um, and that sort of begs a question. One of the things that obviously we're seeing now is there are certain players who just can't get in the side at all. I think Welbeck will consider himself sort of the the twelfth man right now, the first option either off the bench or to replace someone if if Arsene wants to change things. But James is. Is Theo Walcott a victim of a contract dispute or a victim of the fact that he's just not as good an option as all the other players ahead of him right now? I think he's certainly a bit of both, to be quite honest. Um, I mean, if we were just looking at at pure um, ability, what he offers to the side, um, he would have struggled to have started many games recently anyway, but he hasn't been used uh, much at all off the bench. And uh, he hasn't looks particularly incisive apart from Monaco at home. Obviously, the disastrous game that I've just reminded every Arsenal fan about. So yeah. <laughs> I didn't take that one very hard at all, though. It just was like water <laughs> off a duck's back for me. So, yeah, sorry about no that. Problem. Um, but it, I, I kind of remember him uh, making those lovely runs from out to in that he does on um, a couple of. Uh, chances um, which kind of his movement made um, that he didn't take um, I can't remember much uh, of seeing Theo Walcott I don't know what the um, how many appearances he's made since that game off the bench but I can't really remember him much at all um, I mean he was involved in our second goal in Monaco right where he hit the post and then Ramsey put it in 
Yeah, that's I think right. that was his yeah. last appearance. Yeah, I, as I say, I mean, I think it is a, a bit of both. Obviously, there's, um, there's there's a lot of problems with the fact that uh, Walcott's people are asking for a bit more money than he's already on, um, and obviously that's that's not really a great use of our um, finances. Um, so, do you do you think his Arsenal it. career is over at the end of the season? I I think. Uh, probably, uh, yeah. I, I, th- I, I do think that perhaps Man City or uh, maybe another big club would would quite like to take him because especially Man City have, as they've got so few English players and um, he he probably is an upgrade on Navas. Um, so that would to me would be the most obvious link there, and they're obviously not short of. Of, of of money, so if they came with an, in in with an offer, I, I think um, yeah, there could be could be business uh, being made there. Um, it, it's uh, it's a tricky situation at the moment, and uh, and he Theo Walcott's not, in my opinion, not in a position to hold Arsenal to ransom, um, and that's probably where the impasse is at the moment. Yeah, I think the the challenge you run into also is, I'm actually a big Theo Walcott fan in a lot of ways, but. He's not ahead yeah. of Alexis Sanchez or Ozil no. or Ramsey or Oxlade-Chamberlain or Welbeck or any of these players right now that can play on the wing. And then the question is, are you going to pay 150 grand a week to a player with a bad injury track record? Absolutely. You yeah. know, who, who's only going to be an occasional situational sub for you, who you can't bring in when you're nursing a one-goal lead, you know, who's basically a guy who looks like he fits, you know, a game you're either comfortably winning or chasing late. That's about it. You know? Well, the issue the issue with Walcott at the minute is, you know, two years ago when we were going through this contract dispute with him, he was one of our key players when we were at a loss and we hadn't started signing the impact players yet. Now he's one of many. You know, you mentioned Oxley Chamberlain. You, uh, everybody's forgotten about Gnabry. Um, you know, there's there's players that are similar and some that are more direct than him. And now he's just one of many that can play in that position. And so, like you said, I don't think he can hold us to ransom, but we sure can cash in on him and look for, you know, look to fill the needs that we have. And, and it's only going to get harder for him when Royce comes in this summer, he says, pulling his pants down around his ankles. Um, Sterling, you mean? Uh, uh, R- Royce. Thank you. Royce. But the, <laughs> the issue with Royce is that he has the same type of injury track record that Theo has. I could learn to live with Royce's injury track record. <laughs> I don't. I think at that level of quality, fine. You've talked me out of it. You know what? We'll just go with Bale instead. How about that? That that work? Move not on. this year. Not okay. this year. Usually three years. Usually right. three years for Real Madrid. Move, Next year, maybe. Let's let's move on. Um, so we we go into the end of the half. Um, with the one goal lead, it, it really wasn't a pretty game. A uh, lot of fouls. A lot of long balls. Second half, expected more of the same, was more of the same. Um, James, as far as just the second half overall, though, do you think we showed the kind of maturity that maybe we haven't in the past in terms of we kept possession well when we had it, we were tough in the battles, the physical battles, we never really gave them the kind of clean looks. I mean, I think they had one that bobbled through the box that, that made me a little bit nervous. I think it fell to Ings and he skied it, but... Is is this a game? I guess what I'm asking is: Is this a game that in seasons past we would have found a way to drop points? And and is that a sign of the develop the continuing development of the squad? 
it definitely is. Um, this Arsenal team um, aren't quite as spineless as some of the previous ones we've had over the last kind of seven or eight years. Um, not many go hiding, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, that's a big thing for, for this Arsenal team. Um, I think if we if we're being totally honest with today's game, Burnley weren't at their best. Um, I think you can uh, credit Arsenal with, with a bit of that to a certain degree, but they didn't. There weren't many sort of heart and mouth moments which we've all been been accustomed to in these tight games, and and Arsenal just showed a, a lot of maturity, I think, in in closing out the game and you know keeping possession high up the pitch when. Um, you know, in in games past, we would have gone for the juggler and got caught with our pants down at the other end. So that was that was really encouraging to, to see, um, and and a lot I think has to do with perhaps um, some of the scars from the past. A lot has been made about um, Arsenal and and the fact that they're carrying so many scars from being kind of needy men and falling away um, at the end. Um, on, on a number of occasions. But to be I fair, just, we, we're also pretty good at falling away at the beginning. We've done that. Well, yeah, very much. <laughs> I, mean, I, I was actually going to say that you know when when we're during the you know, the run into the, to the season, we're I mean even last year we fell away sort of February March time, but we still had to we still had to go on a run during the run in. Yeah, to stay to, top yeah, four, Champions League spot. Yeah, yeah, and it was the same the season before that and the season before that. And Arsenal were, were so well drilled at, at doing it when it counts, and I think today was a, was a perfect um, example of that. Wasn't particularly uh, physically exerting game, I don't think. Um, you kind of saw a lot of the players walking off. They, a lot of them didn't even look like they were, they were sweating. Really, no injuries. So the only discouraging thing was what we touched upon with. Um, Kind of Koscielny and Giroud, who are two of our more consistent performers um, of late, not performing well. But aside from that, I mean, I'd have sort of bitten your hand off if you'd have offered three points and no injuries um, at the start of the day. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And and Paul, one one of the players though who I think may see his place, his starting place, come under threat, and it's no discredit to him. He's young, he's learning the position, but it's Hector Bellerin. He's clearly shown a proficiency in the attacking half, but I think we're starting to see there are still obvious flaws in his game defensively. And we saw in old, uh, uh, at Old Trafford in the FA Cup, he probably was lucky not to be sent off. Um, against Liverpool, he gave away a, a silly penalty and probably was lucky not to be sent off. Today, he got roasted on a couple of occasions. Um, it's a lot of football for a 20-year-old, 19, 20-year-old to, to play over the course of a season at a very, very high level. So with no disrespect intended to him, what what did you think of his day today? And, and do you think that the last few performances probably will mean that Debushi reclaims the starting spot as soon as the manager deems him fit enough? Um, yeah, so that's some pretty good mind reading there. I mean, a, a couple of people had prophesied that Debushi would start today, which I didn't think so based on the manager's comments on his fitness and the fact that he hadn't even played the under-21 game, which right. either meant he was way fitter than the others or weren't, wasn't as fit. But I guess you can read that either way. But the manager did talk about his fitness uh, as being an issue. Um, so I wasn't shocked. I know Stillman and Gunner Blog expected to see him play today. 
Mm-hmm. But um, to me, this was one of his poor performances. Um, he didn't generally do the things that have made a name for him in terms of uh, attacking. I mean, neither fullback, and maybe it was just the nature of the game, neither fullback got forward. And, you know, there were a couple of times where I'm thinking, you know, go for it, uh, Bellerin. And there was only one time he got to the byline and put a cross in, which was actually pretty dangerous. Nobody got on the end of it. That was towards the end of the game. And yeah, he got roasted the the other end as well. Got nutmegged, which and then he had the one are, he got nutmegged, yeah. but he had the one also where he could have just sort of slid mm. in and hooked the ball away, but instead tried to be a little too cute. And Cochran cleaned up beautifully, or we would have been in big trouble. Yeah, so I think my summary again, not to beat up on the guy because he's been brilliant, course, and yeah. I love him, yeah. and we all do. I mean, I don't anybody who doesn't love Bellerin's a fool. But I think he, you know, it might be that time where he needs a little bit of a rest and kind of gather himself and kind of, you know, if you freeze the guy when he's when he's had a great run, then that's what he's got. That's how he's going to view himself. That's his identity. I think I hope Debushi gets fit and is ready to go soon and, uh, you know, gives Bellerin a little bit of rest so he can look back on the, this run of games and say, I'm a pretty damn good player. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And and uh, John, you know, one of the players who maybe we have be, been a little spoiled by is Alexis Sanchez. Um, I don't think any Arsenal fan who's watched him all season would say this was his best game of the season. But according to who scored, for example, just one website, but one that does a lot of statistical analysis, they have him as man of the match. Um, I didn't see it that way myself. But do we have a tendency to take for granted his his work rate and just his his attitude towards the game, his approach to the game, do you think we've maybe been spoiled and forgotten what a luxury it is to have a man on the front line like that who will run all over the pitch, track every ball, chase down every lost cause, you know, get past a man when he's in a tight space? This wasn't a game where Sanchez was making incredible you know, final third passes or scoring brilliant goals, but did we see sort of the the entirety of what he brings to the squad today? Well, you know, I think his offensive game today was a bit, you know, just more effort than efficiency. Yep, I agree. But but his defensive uh, uh, part of his game, that's exactly what you need. So, uh, you know, before the match, you saw that uh, Burnley attacks down the right about 40% of the time. Mm-hmm. And for me, my man of match was Montreal. And I think, you know, there's little talk about him a lot of times. He's overlooked. Quietly but solid. <laughs> yeah, but he's been quietly solid keeping Gibbs on the bench. And he's, he put in another great shift today. They completely nullified Burnley's uh, uh, right, right-handed uh, attack. And I think, you know, Sanchez had a lot, obviously had a lot to contribute to that. You know, he he's everywhere. Um a lot of times that gets him in trouble, and I thought, you know, before he, scoring the other day, um, you, you saw a lot of wasted effort from him. And I think he was a little, you know, to quote, you know, to quote Arson's famous uh, uh, line, he was a little jaded mm-hmm. uh, uh, in games prior due to that effort being put in. But what more can you ask for? Um, you know, you, you, at certain times it works out for you, certain times it doesn't, but he never stopped running. And that, you know, that leads to loose balls that leads to other, you know, to teammates, you know, being able to to run in behind him into uh, open spaces, um, that sort of thing. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's been a a great surprise. Uh, 
you know, him coming in from Barcelona, having the effect he has so quickly when you tend to talk about people needing time to adjust to a league. He's really came in and, you know, taken the bull by the horns and kind of, I think he's lifted the team, uh, you know, to to another level, you know, uh, has made everybody around him better. Well, I think what he's representative of is the power and importance of real competition in the side. I mean, Giroud has improved and arguably has improved because his position's under threat, and Monreal has improved because he wanted to win a starting spot from Kieran Gibbs. And, you know, that's happening all over the pitch at, at every level. Um, you know, you have players keeping other players out of the side. And, and now even for Koscielny and Mertesacker with Gabriel on the side, I think that that forces them to up their game. And it'll be interesting to see if Gabriel maybe replaces Koscielny next game after Koscielny had sort of a shaky showing uh, today. A, a player who divides opinion, though, James, is is David Ospina. He had to make about one good save today. I think it was fairly routine off a free kick. But he, he did everything he was required to do. His kicking wasn't great. He likes to kick long. Today it wasn't fantastic. Now, I know it's difficult because it was a very heavy, swirling wind. Chesney did return to the bench after missing it with a bruised set of something. Ribs, ego, who knows. Um, lungs, I think it was. Yeah, yeah whatever it may have been. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts, James, on the goalkeeping situation. And, and really two aspects of it. One, do you genuinely believe that David Ospina right now is the best keeper at Arsenal? And two... Do you think Chesney has a future at Arsenal? Um, I get asked this a lot when I when I guest on podcasts. I think I said on um, the Arsenal America podcast, um, Chris Taroni's Arsenal yeah, America yeah, podcast. America podcast yeah. Just qualify that um, that I would that I kind of believe that Arsenal will have a new number one this time. Um, well, at the start of the next season. So not, not looking... as Ospina or Chesney? Um, I think Ospina's done okay. But I don't think I don't think any Arsenal fan believes that he's the answer and he's going to be a, a number one like David Seaman was, like Jens Lehmann was. You know, uh, And we haven't had a, a, a real solid number one since Mad Jens departed. Um I think he's done okay. He's he's a good shot stopper. He saves most of the shots that you'd expect, uh, you know, an Arsenal goalkeeper to save. It doesn't it doesn't instill me with the utmost confidence. His kicking was a bit ropey today. Although to be fair, um, Chesney's kicking is horrendous unless he's finding the fullback's head, which he used to do with Sanya. The, on, the only difference is that Chesney I mean, has a tendency to, 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 so. to play short and Ospina seems to want to play long yeah, almost yeah, exclusively. Yeah, well, yeah today his kicking was terrible, but I his kicking hasn't been that... I don't think you could really... No, it was tough conditions too, things. James. I mean, strong, strong, strong wins in Burnley today too. Yeah, I mean, bottom line for me, I don't think is going to be an Arsenal one for years and years. I think he's a really solid, astute number two who's going to push your number one really close. But as I still stand by, I think Arsenal will be signing a goalkeeper in the summer. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if they've run out of patience with uh, Wojciech Szczesny uh, due to his attitude over a number of seasons, rubbing up senior pros the wrong way. 
generally being a bit of a dick. Um, all all the stuff that, that that every Arsenal fan is well aware of. Um, you know, it, it's a shame really because he's got all the credentials to be a world class goalkeeper. And and who knows? Um, you know, maybe he still could be. But I I just I don't see his future being at Arsenal. I think they've lost patience with him. Well, you would have thought his aha moment, so to speak, would have come last year when Fabianski took over for him and played well. And then, or I guess it was two seasons ago, am I thinking? The end of the season, and then yeah. he got it back when Fabianski got injured. And, and he did come in and, and he shared the Golden Gloves last season and he seemed to make some progress. But he obviously didn't put it behind him. And, I, you know, I, I, I think we knew something was wrong with the Chesney relationship with Arsene Wenger when Fabianski started the FA Cup final last year. Um, well, let's not forget that Chesney will be starting on Saturday in the FA Cup semi-final. Do, do we know that for a fact, though? I mean, let me ask you this. We, we've seen Arsene Wenger in previous seasons, last season aside, have a cup keeper, but then in the final go back to his first choice keeper. Do you think if we get to the FA Cup final, he will let Chesney uh, play the FA Cup final or go back to Ospina? No, I just I think it, the, there's a cup keeper, and at the moment that's the 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 keeper that doesn't play the Premier League games, and at the moment that's Jesse. So, you, you know that's the way I see it. If he's fit, he's, he plays on Saturday, um, and and likewise for the final. I, I don't think I don't think Arsene Wenger will change tact on that. That's the kind of strategy that he's employed for the last few seasons, and I, I don't see that changing. Unless, he does. I'm just saying he does have previous for having a cup keeper, but then going back to his, his real number one for the final, he's done that before. I, admittedly not last season, but he's done that before. Yeah, I, don't, I, I, I can't see him doing it um, okay. regardless. And that, that might be the one thing that, that maybe saves Chesney's Arsenal career, but I, I, from what I've heard, and I, I, just, I, th- I think that they're perhaps... Um, you know, his days are numbered. Well, we're not struggling as a result of it right now. So, I mean, it's sort of, you know, a tempest in a teacup in a way because Ospina's done just fine. And I don't think Chesney is so good that he's not replaceable. And there's talk of Peter Cech. I don't know if Mourinho in a million years of Sundays would allow that to happen. Yeah, Um, that's the problem. And Peter Cech would uh, sign for Arsenal in a heartbeat. Um, Absolutely. Arsenal have been kind of chipping away at Peter Cech for... Oh, I shouldn't really say it. Um, let me rephrase that. Arsenal have been looking at Czech as a... As a so, so not, not tapping him up, as you say. <laughs> yeah, for, for some seasons, Arsenal have fancied Peter Czech and, and wanted him. Um, but as I say, you know, you know, you just can't see Mourinho letting him go. But, it, you know, that may be one where pl- player power prevails. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if he, he does sign for us next season and personally I'd love that because I think he's he's still so consistent even when he comes in for Courtois and and young enough by keeper yeah. standards to play a long time yeah, absolutely I mean absolutely. He, he he should have the respect of that club at this point to be allowed to make the choice of what he wants to do next in, next in his career and ironically I think if we had limped into fourth place Mourinho might not have seen us as a threat but if we stormed to second place and finished the season four or five points behind Chelsea he may have a rethink um Paul, second half of this match, we I thought was a really professional display from us, and they they tired as you'd expect around seventy five mm-hmm. eighty minutes, and we did a nice job just keeping possession and and kind of draining the game away, and we probably should have scored 
a goal or two towards the end there. We had some chances where we were a little sloppy. But one thing that made a big difference, uh, Wenger waited to make his subs until the 81st minute. But when he did, he took Giroud off for Welbeck. Straight swap. Welbeck went in as center forward and immediately made a huge difference. Um, creating space, getting shots off. Uh, just that burst that he has is really amazing. Every time I see it, it's so surprising um, because he just gets past his, his man so effortlessly um, with those long strides and that explosive first step. Is this a case where you can read too much into it because at that point, uh, Burnley were exhausted, Welbeck was fresh, they were pushing a little more for a goal so there was more space for him? Or is this a player that we really need to try to find room for? One thing that I, I felt in this game is we maybe could have used one more true winger, one more player with real pace. And the one downside to playing Ramsey, Cazorla, Ozil, and Coughlin all together with Alexis and, and then Giroud, of course, is the we the element of pace that had been injected back into the side is taken away. Alexis has it a bit. Giroud doesn't have it. Ramsey doesn't have it. Ozil doesn't have it. Cazorla doesn't have it. So that team that we started today and that we started against Liverpool. Do you think that has to be used sparingly because it just it's too intricate and not direct enough and not enough pace? Or do you think that Welbeck's impressive 10-minute cameo is a case of facing a tired team chasing the game? Stop reading my mind, goddammit. Yeah, I'd my, love to, but I'm, I, if I feel if I keep <laughs> reading, I'll eventually get to the really salacious stuff in there, and that's what I'm looking for. Uh, good luck with that. It's all in the name. Okay. No, um, I was... I was pretty frustrated the whole game, but on the other hand, had to slap myself around that you can't complain about a winning formula. But we had nobody to get in behind them. Uh, you know, yeah, because that's uh, not really Alexis's game, too. I mean, he wants no, to get the not. ball at his he feet. He cuts inside. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's really fast in the first few strides. His top gear is, is decent, but he's, there's a reason he doesn't try and burn in behind everybody all the time. Um, you know, I would have loved to have seen Welbeck over on the right, but of course that would have meant no Ramsey, and Ramsey put the goal away. And uh, you know, he was all in that early part of the game where we built a bit of momentum and a bit of fluidity, and with all of their tackling and fouling as well. You know, he was part of a four-man midfield when he kind of uh, came in. And in fact, he—it's more than half the time the midfield moves towards him. I mean, he does actually hold a very wide position. So there's there's one thing he is good for. He does give us width. He does actually hang out on that touchline. He's very comfortable playing the ball in and around in triangles with Bellerin and Ozil and whoever Giroud, whoever else comes over his way. Um. I might disagree a little bit with James on Giroud in that I don't think he had a great game, but I think he did what he was supposed to do against Burnley, which was battle in the middle uh, against a very, you know, the couple of cards they did get, I think, were both from defenders. um, And there was quite a battle going on. And, you know, he held his own in there. You need that physical spine along the pitch. And sometimes it doesn't look very glamorous. But that meant you kind of had in your front three, you had Ramsey and Giroud, who are not going to get in behind at all, and Alexis, who cuts in, and Ozil, who's got pace, but again, tends to use that uh, sparingly, though he used it nicely for the goal to uh, stretch them quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, that was the one thing I was looking for, somebody to run in behind, but uh, not necessarily a swap for Giroud, but, you know, then you got to pick Ramsey, so... Uh, certainly came on against tired games, legs at the, at the end of the 
game and I enjoyed him stretching them and it was noticeable that that was the one time that Bellerin started getting forward and decided to go in after them because not only were none of the front three or four getting in behind, none of our full backs were getting up to stretch them either. So yeah, it was kind I, of a funny old game. It might have been just one of those games, but I absolutely see see what you mean in terms of an ongoing formation. Well, look, I don't think we're ever easy to stop, but I think defenders love not having to face explosive pace because yeah, defenders it, always it, fancy it, themselves to have a chance if they can keep the, their man in, in front of them. Yeah, just quickly on that, yeah. the one thing that struck me was it was our center backs who were twisting and turning and our full backs who were getting twisted and turned, not theirs, and that frustrated me. Now, again, that might have been just the nature of the beast today. Well, you, you but, look at who uh, it is. It's going to be Ozil and Ramsey sort of nominally taking up wide positions and, and switching a little with Cazorla and then Alexis trying to dribble his way past people. He came deeper a lot in this game. And that, I think, isolated Giroud, too, which is part of the reason why he didn't necessarily have the best game. He thrives when a player runs beyond him. That's why he's, he's often played well when, uh, when Ramsey's been in the middle of the, of, of the pitch because Ramsey likes to make that long, straight run all the way up the pitch, all the way into the box past Giroud, and Giroud links up very well with that. There wasn't a lot of link-up play at the edge of their area today. Um, we got wide a lot, put in a lot of crosses that didn't, didn't result in anything. But look... It, it was a great. It was a great three points. It is not going to be a painting that anyone hangs in the Louvre anytime soon, because it's not a painting. It's a football match. So how would you even do that? It's totally ridiculous. Doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> but it's three points that keeps us in second. And John, I'll ask you this: How important is it for us to finish second now? For the the supporters, the manager, the players the club to feel the lift of real progress and really go into next season believing that we're not just like a front runner in a marathon who drops off, but that we are a genuine title contender. Do you think, obviously the FA Cup aside, do you think finishing second for Arsenal now is very, very important step for our progress? For me, it's not so much about finishing second, but the two big matches that we have left, which is Chelsea and United. United and Chelsea. Okay. I think that we have to get results from both of those games to go into a summer and say, listen, everything is up for grabs. There's no start. There's no giving starting positions for anybody. Go and reinforce the middle defensive midfielder. Get a you know center back. Get a goalkeeper. Get another versatile forward, and then really go for it next year. Um, the way you're going to get the, the that top level talent that we need to take that next step is going to be getting results against these big teams. Mm-hmm. You know, finishing second is going to be all nice and well, but if we draw both Chelsea and United, then it's going to be kind of, wow, you know, what could we have done? The same thing, you know, kind of like, like that feeling that we got earlier in the season, drawing uh, uh, those games that we did, you know, with uh, Leicester and, and Everton and, and City. You know, it, it, fine margins, you know, at this level cost you can cost you a whole season. Well, and, and I, I think, think to, to your point, I mean, the one thing that was really held against us and has been in the past few seasons is poor performances against the top sides. I mean, exactly. Arsene Wenger is a master of beating the bottom sides, but we've improved a little this season. I mean, we have gotten to Old Trafford and won, admittedly, in the Cup, but still a win at Old Trafford. We have gone to Manchester City and won. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think you're absolutely right that how we do against Chelsea and, and United really gives us a chance to feel like we belong in that conversation for the title. For you, John, um, 
is the FA Cup now again uh, sort of a must win for people to feel like this season has amounted to something? Or do you think winning the Cup last year and getting the trophy drought off our back means it's it's less make or break? I mean, there was a big feeling last year that if we hadn't won the FA Cup, Wenger might have gone. Do you think winning a trophy last year has made the FA Cup this year more of a luxury and less of a necessity? Well, I think it's still a necessity. I think when okay. you spend the money that you spend on Sanchez, you go get Chambers, you go get Ospina, you go get a Gabriel. You know, you, you take the chance on Coughlin the way you do. I think, you know, and not reinforcing that part of the uh, of the pitch, not getting a, you know, getting a well back. I think that you've made an investment into the for the club in in the now and for the future. And I think the the payoff for that is getting a trophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't we're, it, listen Let's be realistic. Barring a miracle, we're not gonna we're not gonna get an EPL title this year. I'm I'm going to ruin the suspense. We're not gonna win the title. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so barring that miracle, that's so that eliminates that trophy. We you know we mucked it up in the in the Champions League uh, 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 as only we could, and so that leaves the FA Cup. It's all for us. It, it, I mean, it, you know, you have reading, and then you have a choice of uh, 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 Aston Villa and Liverpool. We you know. We should retain our cup. If we don't, I think that although positional-wise, you know, position-wise and, and in those big matches, as you said, we've gotten better results this year, I think it would be kind of a plateau from last year okay. or even a step back. So I think that's vital. We need to win the FA Cup. Yeah, I mean, I, I unfortunately, and I'm not trying to bring it to a negative place here, even though that's kind of my brand, Um I don't think you can look at this season and just ignore the Monaco knockout. I think that is one that really hurts because you don't get to go to the Champions League semifinal every year, and Monaco would have put us in the quarters, and Juventus would have been a winnable. I think you have to at least say winnable. Not that we'd be favored, but a winnable tie to get to the quarters. If you look at it right now in Europe, you have to expect that Bayern, Barca, and Madrid are probably going to be in the semifinals every year as long as they don't face each other. That leaves one more opening, and I think we are as good as any of the other teams that would vie for that fourth semifinal spot in the Champions League, and it was set up for us this year and we didn't get past the team we really should have. So to your point, John, I think you you can't evaluate, as much as we're on a great run right now and there's a great mood around the club and there should be, that Monaco exit is, is still a thorn, at least in my side. Uh, James, let me ask you, um, first of all, I assume you do not think that the title is possible, right? Ruling it out? Um, no. The only way that we'd have a glimmer of a chance of winning it is if Chelsea lose their next two games but that would still leave us four points behind with yes. uh, level games but but we have them we'd have them at the Emirates so we'd have to yeah, win yeah. that and then it would exactly. be one and, and if we won that could be a one point it's not going to happen is it I can't see um, I can't see Chelsea not getting anything from tomorrow's game for example yeah you know what uh, we need the, the thing we'd need is we need uh, Matic and Fabregas I think are both sitting on nine yellows so and Diego Costa's out with the hamstring until May. So if Fabregas and Matic could both somehow get a yellow tomorrow, they'd miss United and us and no Costa. Then you could at least start to dream a little bit. Yeah, well, Fabregas doesn't turn up after Christmas anyway, so That's true. don't worry about him. Well, he's going to be much. wearing a mask. He's he's so <laughs> embarrassed about having signed for Chelsea. He's finally going to start playing in a mask. <laughs> So we'll see that tomorrow. We'll improve his looks. Um, um, do you, but do you think, yeah, right, if you don't think the title, any fairy tales. Right, if, you, if you don't think the fairy tale is going to come true, I'm, I'll ask you the same question I asked John just briefly. We'll start to wrap up now. 
Yeah. Is is second place an absolutely essential thing for us to to tie up now to to really feel like for the league's sake we've made progress and we can genuinely be a challenger? I think so, but I I just look at this season compared to last season. We started horrendously this season. We really did. So to be where we are now, I think that you know he's no mean feat. Um, okay, today we didn't really um, get out of kind of second gear, um, but we we kind of as we discussed, we still got the win um, and saw saw off um, any kind of uh, attempts from Burnley to get back in the game when they're desperate for points. So I think. Overall, this season is looking like being an improvement on last season, I think, regardless of if we win the FA Cup or not. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, uh, I, you know, I generally intend us to, um, genuinely, sorry, intend us to, to retain our FA Cup, um, which is great. Uh, you know, for me, the FA Cup hasn't lost any of its um, appeal. Um, it's a, you know, a great cup. Um, for us, to, for us to win again, um, and, and it could be a great day out at Wembley. Obviously, we've got to beat Reading first on Saturday, but um, I think we all expect to do that. Um, and to finish second would be great, um, and would really give us um, a lot of, uh, I think, a lot of satisfaction and also belief going into uh, the summer, where there isn't. This is the important bit for me: a summer where there's no tournament and where. Um, the players can get a good rest and then come back and then hopefully we can uh, get a business done nice and early in, in the, the summer transfer window and, and really go again. Yeah, Alexis has Copa America, but other than that, yeah, we don't we don't have anything to worry about. Um, all right, so I'll ask each of you this and then we'll say goodbye. James, do you think we'll win the FA Cup and where do you think we'll finish in the league? I think we'll win the FA Cup and I think we'll finish second. Okay, I would live with that. I think that would be an excellent way to enter the summer. John, what about you? Cup and, and we're in the league. Yeah, I, I echo those sentiments. I think we'll win the cup and finish second. And uh, Paul, your thoughts? Uh, FA Cup and second, but a quick comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's the second is a bit like the FA Cup. It's it, You know, anything can happen. And so just my vote on the if we didn't win the FA Cup and we came third would we have done worse than last season only if you're not watching us anybody who's watching this team at the moment playing as we build strength and confidence and stability knows that we've done something this year to raise ourselves above where we're finishing last year so depends on how you look at it but I won't be all doom and gloom if you know, Liverpool get a last-minute goal in the FA Cup and rob it from us. I'll be gutted, but I'm not going to be going around saying, oh, my God, here we go again. I know. Well, as long as it's not Steven Gerrard. If it's Steven Gerrard, I'm never watching football again. I I mean, the the, the reality is... It'll be horrible. The reality is, look, just by virtue of the fact that we haven't been beaten 5-1 or 6-1 or any of those kind of things this season is a step in the right direction. I think this, this team is moving in the right direction. Um... I, I will say there's going to be no excuses for next season because from a squad standpoint, we're, we're good enough to be up there with Chelsea. Um, let's leave it there. Uh, by the way, I, I do hope we face Liverpool in the final because I think we could beat them and I think it'd be a delight. And I know I've already put us in the final, but it is Reading in the semis. We had no problem with Wigan in the semifinal last year. That was a breeze. So I'm sure this will be too. Um, 
really enjoy you guys coming on. I know this wasn't exactly, uh, like I said, a, a Monet to discuss today. It was, it was a little more of a Picasso, but it's still three points, so that's great. So I'll thank you all uh, in reverse order. Uh, James, uh, uh, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on by any name. <laughs> yeah, cheers, Elton. Yeah, Elton, you know what? I can live with Elton. As long as I get to wear fabulous clothing and sing wonderful songs. Um, if you want to follow James on Twitter, which you're already doing, you can follow him at We Are The North Bank. If you're not following him, you should. He also has, uh, he always is good for some interesting information related to our transfer business in the summer. I don't want to oversell it, but definitely follow him. We Are The North Bank. Um, I also want to thank John, who is, are you in Barcelona at this moment? Yeah, I live right outside, about 10 minutes outside the city. There you go. Well, that explains why his Twitter handle is Gooner in BCN, which is Barcelona. So you can follow him. It's Gooner in BCN, right? Exactly. I appreciate it, guys, and a pleasure as always. Yeah, well, hopefully we can have you back on uh, after we've won the title and the FA Cup. And we can <laughs> break that down. And the man who's always doing things in his pants on Twitter, he's positing in his pants. You can follow him at positing in my pants. But remember, he's not doing it in my pants. He's doing it in his pants. That's an important distinction. His name is Paul. Paul, as always, it's a pleasure. Woohoo! Yeah, there it is. So we'll wrap it up. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner, if you haven't done it already. What are you waiting for? We'll be back after the Reading semifinal, which will in no way cause us any heart palpitations or stress whatsoever. Until that time, enjoy the football. Root for QPR tomorrow, and we'll talk to you next time. Cheers. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com